Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com. Um, and here with me, I have uh, on the other side of the line, another contributor at Niner Noise. I have Mr. Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you feeling uh, today, good sir? I'm feeling uh, quite good. I mean, I know the Niners aren't world beaters, if you ask uh, Bruce Irvin, but <laughs> 51 to 13 over a 4 and 2 Carolina Panthers team. I feel like the, the 49ers are actually for real now. So they <laughs> definitely uh, demolished the Panthers on Sunday, putting up that 50 burger that you're asking for against your, uh, your home team. So I'm sure you're very excited about that. Yes, indeed. Um, that's, that's very funny. Uh, for those of you who are not initiated, uh, Bruce Irvin, who was a, a former member of the uh, Seattle Seahawks during the uh, sort of heyday of the 49ers-Seahawks uh, rivalry, um, came out after the game and said that the uh, 49ers were just okay. Uh, they weren't world beaters, which is really a bold thing to say after your team gets beat 51-13 on the road um, and shows no real signs of actually being in the game at any particular point. Um, so good for you, Bruce Irvin, I guess. I don't, I don't really know uh, what would... What would uh, make a man say that kind of thing? I mean, other than maybe some self-respect or something, I have, I have no earthly idea. But um, uh, yeah, the 49ers uh, ran their record to 7-0 and uh, with a uh, just um, ultimate pounding of the Carolina Panthers, uh, 51-13, as we've said several times already, at Levi Stadium. The 49ers are wearing those sweet uh, 1994 uh, road throwbacks, although I really wish that they would do the red ones, just consequently, that's, a, that's neither here nor there, but just it'd be really nice to complete the set. Um, uh, they pretty much had everything going, all three phases of the game. There was one bobbled snap that's on an extra point that I think was just you know the team trying to show that they were, in fact, uh, human beings on that particular day. Um, that was on their fourth touchdown, by the way. Um, so <laughs> that that's, I don't know how much that really says about, about the team, but, uh, the 49ers put an end to the Panthers four game winning streak, uh, that they've had since, uh, Cam Newton went down with his injury, um, that he is still out from, 
they did a pretty good job with uh, Christian McCaffrey, the, the running back for the Panthers, who we were uh, pretty worried about coming into the game. Um, McCaffrey finished the game with 14 carries for 117 yards and four catches for 38 yards, which is, you know, pretty decent check. He was, however, the first uh, back to run for 100 yards this season on the Niners, which is a little bit sort of like, you know, of a bummer. You know, that's a record you want to hold on to for as long as possible. But um, I must say, this is uh, the most fun that I've had watching a football game since, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the 49ers crushed the Browns on national television. Um, <laughs> but uh, as you alluded to, the fact that this is the team that uh, plays uh, in and around near where I live, um, that sort of had a, a nice little added air, uh, bit of, of fun to it. Um, allows me to go out um, proudly amongst the Panther fans and, well, you know, rub it in their noses just a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, my father-in-law, as a matter of fact, uh, tried to text me that day and, and say that it was a, quote, good game that we played. And I told him that good was sort of underselling it just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, but he, he called it an off day, which I thought was funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Chris, any uh, thoughts, general thoughts about the game? Uh, before we move on, yeah, when, when I was texting my mom at the end and just you know going off about it, I, I I said that the game was it was acceptable to me. So so um, <laughs> I, I think your dad and I are on the same wavelength there. Did you by, by chance uh, catch Bosa's uh, post game interview when they they asked him about Irvin's uh, comments? Yeah, I heard I, I heard something about that. That's pretty funny too. What do you want to tell him what what he said? Sure. Basically, Bosa's up on the podium fielding questions after the game and one of the beat reporters asked him about it and he repeats what Irvin said about the Niners essentially that they were just okay and they weren't world beaters so Bosa with this like super confused look on his face says who said that and the reporter responds Bruce Irvin so Bosa has this look like okay like I know who that is and then he just shrugs his shoulders and says I don't care <laughs> and then he looks around for another question. But how are you going to beat that, right? Yeah. So the foreign Irish press rep says, that's it? No response. Okay, that's it. And Bosa just gets down off the podium, just walks right out of the room. It's just a great Bosa answer. He's just he's not going to feed into it. It's still a rookie. Maybe we'll get a little bit more uh, fire in those post-game interviews in the future, but I think he knows, sort of knows his place and he knows that he needs to uh, keep it on the field at this point. So I really like that response from him. So that was, that was pretty good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's shown a lot of, uh, you know, good, good class in those, in those situations where he doesn't get too, too up, up in the, in the, the press conference where it's just, he just seems to understand that's like not really that big of a deal. And most of the time the press are just trying to get a rise out of, out of you and get you to say something that, that they can sort of, uses as fodder or something and they he's just like eh, whatever you know do it say what you want um you know i don't i don't feel the need to sort of get in into the game but um yeah uh so uh should be an exciting week here for the 49ers uh they do have a short week coming up um which is why you are hearing this podcast episode much earlier than you might normally um we'll get more into that um later but before we get into the next game on the schedule, we do want to talk a little bit more about this game. Um, I think we could talk about this this game for a long time because, man, a lot of things really went well um, <laughs> throughout this game. Uh, it was just sort of one of those those games where you just kept going, "What? What? What is, is this really happening? Like this is wow! Just 
I, I probably said that like five or six times throughout the course of the game at just different points. It was just really good. But um, so we're going to, we're going to marinate on this just a little bit longer with our one up one downs section of the uh, podcast for today. Um, and so I'll begin with my up a um, lot of places to go here. A lot of choices because frankly, it was mostly all up. Um, we'll get more into that in a little bit, but my up for the game uh, will be Mr. Tevin Coleman, who um, had quite some interesting numbers, uh, finished 11 uh, carries for 105 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, added two catches for 13 yards and another touchdown through the air. Uh, Chris, I'm not great at math, but uh, do you have any idea what his uh, average yards per touch was on the game? He was 11 for for 105. 11 for 105 and then two for 13. Let's see, 6.1. Yards a carry and it's, it's pretty good. Nine yards a touch is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, it's it's about nine yards per touch, which means he was getting about a first down every time the ball was in his hand somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, that's a difficult thing to sustain, but um, he managed to do it throughout the entirety of this game. Um, he uh, was a part of a rushing attack uh, that finished with 232 yards on the ground on 38 carries, which is 6.1 yards per carry. And they scored five touchdowns. Um, another fun bit of note, uh, Tevin Coleman joins uh, some guy named Jerry Rice as the only 49er to score four touchdowns in a game, um, which is pretty elite company to be in. Uh, if you, um, you know, if you're going to be named amongst players who have done something only once in a franchise history, uh, Jerry Rice is a good good number to score to uh, to join in. Um, so the other fun fact, and this is just completely outside of of, of Coleman specifically, but I, I was looking at the at the numbers again today. The team scored seven touchdowns in this game, which is just insane. Um, I, I I I just just can't even believe it. And and Coleman was responsible for four on his own. Um, so he just had a really great game, and um, he didn't have to do a lot but he made sure that he took advantage of every single time that the ball was in his hand. Um, so Chris, any thoughts on that from you? As far as thoughts from me in fantasy this week, one of my opponents started Tevin Coleman. I didn't win. <laughs> Shocking. I know, right? I got an eyelid, but I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, the guy's been sticking with him week after week. And I'm like, I don't know why. I don't know why. And I've taken him out once before, but yeah, it was, it was it was payback, payback on Sunday, and and I don't even know how many points I need from Juju tonight. But I mean, he, he basically needs to put up a like a Coleman times two night for me to be able to uh, to, to come back from this one. So I'm gonna call call this one a loss. Yeah, that seems unlikely but for sure. With all this this food talk, you know, I think you've been something about marinating and fifty burger. Like, I just want to know, like, in in addition to the extra point, well, one one of the extra points we actually made. What kind of condiments did you put on your nine or fifty burger after this game? <laughs> For you know the burger, I usually like to go with some some nice cheese and some bacon if I can get it, and a little mayonnaise uh, on the top on lettuce, tomato, you know that. It's too late in the evening to eat, but <laughs> that does sound tasty. Now I want a burger tomorrow, so I have to take care of that for later. So, uh, Chris. On to your up for the game, um, which I graciously allowed you to have for this particular time. I didn't go with the, the very, very obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, that was very kind of you. But I, I think your Sam's choice and is, is more just okay and not really a world beater, if you ask me. <laughs> but thank you very much for letting me talk about rookie edge rusher Nick Bosa, who's awesome. So awesome that apparently he gets 
tired being awesome is, is <laughs> what the, <laughs> the color commentator that was. was my favorite thing. I mean, I don't know what my favorite March thing Slayer. was, but like I was ready for them to say the pull a rabbit out of your head Monday Night Football <laughs> Jason Witten comment. They were in rare form. That game. For they're, sure. they're having a little too much fun, even more fun than the, the Niners were uh, slipping and sliding you know, on the field this week too, just sort of making fun of last week's game. But Bosa is definitely my, my man up. He owned this game as well as Coleman on the offensive side of the ball, but I think even more so. And Bosa just, he put himself on the on the national stage to the point where I had people texting me saying, who's Nick Bosa? You know, people just know nothing about football. So I'm like, all right, so this guy, he has officially arrived. And also, I don't know if you know, but he was briefly listed on Wikipedia last night as being Kyle Allen's father. I don't, I, know if caught, I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> that was not. pretty funny. Wikipedia quickly took that down. And I can't confirm or deny, but the age difference probably doesn't work out in his favor. So, no, bro, I don't think so. Nick Bosa, he had three sacks, the uh, sack hat trick, as well as an interception, which he really wanted to take back for six. And he, he got he got 46 yards down the field and he was juking and, and throwing people to the side. But eventually, just from the angle that he took, he got caught by a wide receiver at the end and, and almost got, got out of the wide receiver's grasp and almost took it back for six, which I'm sure would have been a uh, an interesting phone call with his brother after the game. He's on pace to now surpass the 49ers 2018 interception total. So he's uh, playing pretty well as a rookie, especially as a guy on the, on the defensive line. And leads the team with seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, and 13 quarterback hits. So I would like to thank you, Arizona Cardinals, for allowing us to draft uh, Nick Bosa. And we will be sure to remind you of your mistake uh, this upcoming Thursday. Yeah, we're gonna have to make that a regular occurrence, a regular segment on the podcast here. The where we, wherein we thank the Arizona Cardinals for for uh, passing on on Nick Bosa for us. That's we'll just have to add that to the list of things to do every week. Yeah, from here until eternity. Yeah, absolutely. But one other um, honorable mention is uh, Eric Armstead, who's I mean he's really been playing out of his mind, and and he would have easily gotten the defensive player of the game award here on the the Niners podcast after racking up you know another two sacks. So now he has five point five sacks on the season, which is you know a career high, and I mean, it's definitely got gotten to the point where we are not going to be able to retain him next year unless he has some type of very serious injury, and even you know, knock on wood on my head, and even if that were the case, I don't think that he's coming back next year. So. We will be looking forward to that compensatory pick, which I've been practicing saying in front of the mirror this week. Arms is just, uh, we just hope that he can continue the the domination that he's he's had this year because in a lot of ways he's looked a lot better than uh, than Buckner has, which is shocking. So he finally turned into the player that we that we drafted with what seventeenth pick overall, eighteenth I think, eighteenth. I thought he was seventeen, <clears throat> but yeah, mid mid first round for sure. Um, yeah, he. I actually saw someone in the Nine Noise comments mention that we should just forget about Buckner and just sign sign Armstead to a long term contract. And my response to that was, well, sure. If Armstead had been doing this for five years now, then I feel like we could maybe have that conversation. Um, but after one year, I definitely don't feel comfortable giving him a large sum of money um, considering his injury history and, and such, which, you know, not to take away anything that he has done this year, he has been fantastic. Um, he is, he's done everything that has been asked of him, but if someone is going to give him 
you know, a multi-year, many million dollar a year contract, then he's, he's, he's gone. Like, that's just the way this is going to be. It's just, this is the way the, the league works with, uh, with the salary cap and all that and all that. So it's just, you know, it, it, it's fine. You know, it's, I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity to play well. And I'm glad that he's going to get an opportunity to hopefully make some, some money. It's unfortunate that it a took him this long to kind of get it together and uh, B that um, it's looking like he's probably going to spend um, the next section of his career elsewhere. So there we go. I think I would have just responded with like a hashtag recency bias. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's a little bit crazy. And anybody who watched the film sees that, teams are paying attention to Buckner a lot and and he's he's really the the guy well along with I mean along with Bosa I think I feel like Bosa would just make any defensive line you know good at this point but he's sort of the uh, the engine behind the line and he's the one who's always taking the, the double teams and he, he really doesn't deserve for people to be talking about him in that way because he's still very very elite and you know, it doesn't have some of the numbers that some of the other, well, the one other perhaps more elite potential three tech has. But he is um, def- definitely having a good season, you know, not getting the respect that he deserves as he never has and maybe he never will. <laughs> Any true Niner fan yeah. knows that he is the better of the two, the better prospect of the two. And, and he's just, you know, he's an animal. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, even uh, I believe Bosa was, was quick to point out that in at least two of the three sacks that he got yesterday that that Buckner could have been the one to get there he just forced the pressure which allowed him to to Buckner to act or Bosa to actually get the sack so that's an important thing to remember when we're counting when the counting stats just don't do the justice for interior defensive linemen because they just don't usually rack up numbers either in tackles or in sacks or anything and uh, people I think are looking at last year and going oh well Buckner's fallen off because he doesn't have he didn't have double digit sacks like he did last year, but last year was clearly an aberration in that particular case, um, because that was the only place they could create pressure was in the was the interior. Now they have the ability to create it on the on the edge, which is where you want to create most of your pressure, and it, that seems to be working a lot better. Anyway, so um, so speaking of defense, um, let me move on to my down for the game. Um, as I was sort of alluding to earlier, these these things are you know, getting into the, into the territory where we're nitpicking a little bit. When you win a game 51 to 13, usually most things have gone um, right for you. So um, this is, these are relatively minor things, but certainly things to pay attention to. Um, I feel, I feel like the run defense could have been a little bit um, better on Sunday. I think um, the numbers were certainly inflated by two long runs from McCaffrey who had, um, two 40 yard runs. One was the touchdown, which, you know, probably should have been called back, um, for a holding penalty. Um, uh, and then there was another 40 yarder at another point in the game. So if you take those yards away from him, he was 12 carries for 34 yards, which is 2.8 yards per carry. Um, and the, uh, and the, they did a really great job of, of bottling him up in the passing game which was the thing I think that we were more worried about than anything else. But um, they're just, just there's going to have to be a little bit more discipline on the, on the edge of things, which is where McCaffrey makes most of his work. Um, they're just going to have to watch the, the edge contain a little bit um, because uh, with Kyler Murray coming up on, on Thursday, it's going to be really important to keep him 
um, contained and in the same way that they were unable to do with McCaffrey in, in places throughout the game. So, you know, again, that feels like a relatively small thing to sort of nitpick at, but I think in another game situation, that might've been a bigger deal just so happened. They were winning the game by so much that it didn't really end up mattering all that much. Um, but it is something to pay attention to over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And thus my one down is related to yours, but a little bit more uh, specific because you're, you're right. There's not a lot to be upset about when you're not necessarily a world beater, but you're an okay team and you just beat a potential playoff team that badly. But my down is the three plays by McCaffrey because each one was preventable. Both of his two long runs and that the third down pass play that still has me a little bit frustrated, but I think I'll eventually get over it with a couple years of therapy. <laughs> Beginning with the, the the two long runs, it's something I've noticed as a problem for most of the year. Both the forty yard touchdown and then, and then the, the other one, I think it was like a thirty seven yarder, the one on the the right side where McCaffrey got really upset afterward. You could just tell that he was frustrated that he, he couldn't keep anything going. Oh yeah, when Jimmy Ward when Jimmy Ward tackled yeah, him. Hey, you, you know, yeah, you, you you can't tackle me. No one's allowed to tackle me. It's just <laughs> actually been true for most of the season of yeah. this game, right? Defensive end Rodden Blair shoulders the blame for springing McCaffrey on both of those two long runs. Now, I'll preface this with saying that you know, I, I like Blair a lot. I think he's a good player. And overall, he's a good defensive lineman and a versatile guy who's playing a little bit of a different position this season under Kasurik. And it's either that he's just overly aggressive or he lacks discipline and doesn't totally understand his run responsibilities. So while he's made some you know, big splash plays when he makes the right read, Offenses have also started to target him in the run game, which has caused some significant breakdowns when he guesses wrong or when he over pursues. So if you remember during you know, the offseason, the, the big concern with the 49ers new wide nine front is, you know, it's great against the pass, but it's susceptible to certain types of run plays. So, you know, the way you normally attack the wide nine or double wide nine is, is you attack the, the bubbles on the interior which the Panthers couldn't really do, or you attack one of the wide defensive ends. And you can do that a couple different ways. Like if you have a smaller edge rusher like D Ford, you could just run at him because of his lack of size. But the best way to attack a, a bigger defensive end like Ronald Blair, and especially a guy who loves to crash down on run plays, is to, to catch him inside and then run outside him. And you usually do that by blocking him with a smaller player which gives you the size advantage of a larger player like a pulling lineman blocking clean into the secondary against you know cornerback or safety for example the long touchdown run where Blair first misreads the play and then costs the team two more points by lining up off sides and giving the Panthers a second try on their conversion it really was a busted play by the Panthers a play that a more experienced veteran quarterback probably would have audibled out of because of the way that the Niners were aligned. The play is designed to be like a misdirection run to the left side of the field. And you have Blair who's playing a ghost wide nine, meaning he's like well outside the left tackle, but there's no tight end on that side. There's just a, a single wide receiver. So the 49ers are, are very well prepared for a run to the left side. 
they have E-Man lined up outside the wide receiver. They have Blair well outside the tackle. And they have Quan in a 50 technique. So he's he's lined up stacked across from the left tackle's outside shoulder. For the Panthers on the left side of the field, all they have is a the wide receiver and a left tackle. So once the ball snapped, the left tackle leaves Blair unblocked and runs immediately to his right and then to the second level. And they have tight end Greg Olson, who's lined up on the right, but crosses formation after the snap to seemingly block Blair. So it was sort of like a one and a half on three situation for the Panthers that like barring a mistake by the 49ers is destined to fail. But for some reason, and I assume he's keying on the left side of the line, when the left tackle runs to the right, Blair just like runs after him, even though like the, the entire play is happening right in front of his face. Like Olsen is crossing the formation, like right in front of him. And Allen hands the ball off to McCaffrey directly in front of him. So, you know, Allen hands the ball off. And by that time, Blair's run himself like entirely out of the play. Olsen's already passed him on his way to the second level to take out E-Man. And the wide receiver on the left side does a a good enough job blocking slash holding Alexander so that McCaffrey can hit the hole. And with his speed, it's, you know, he's gone. It's a house call. And of course, you know, on the two point conversion, he lines up all sides and then McCaffrey scores on, on the Panthers second try. Now on the 37 yard run, the Panthers actually have to do something to take Blair out of the play, which they do very easily. So, so this time Blair's on the right side of the line in a nine tech and he gets like totally confused on the play. And I, I have no idea who he's reading because like every one of his potential reads tell him that it's a pitch to the right. Like both the tight end and the right tackle pull to the right immediately. The rest of the offensive lines heading right. McCaffrey immediately moved to the right looking for the pitch. But for some reason, Blair's first step is to his right, you know, to the left and away from the play. And by the time he realizes his mistake, one of the Carolina backup tight ends hits him from the side and just takes him out of the play. So if he just read what is right in front of him, and forced McCaffrey to alter the angle that he hit the hole, Quan was there, and he w- would have been able to potentially clean it up. But instead, the Panthers, you know, they have a tackle, and they have a tight end blocking the 49ers' corner and safety, and McCaffrey goes un- untouched down the field until you know, Ward eventually uh, forces him out of bounds. You know, but then, of course, Blair makes a couple of nice plays throughout the game, <laughs> including uh, logging a sack and... So I, I was sort of questioning whether he was fully deserving of an official Niner Noise podcast, quote-unquote, one down, you know, particularly since you know it's also a coaching issue considering his transition from a 3-4 lineman in college to a 3-tech to a big end and, and now to a 9-tech to a or Y9-tech. So I'm going to split my one down between Blair and our favorite future head coach, Robert Sala, who decided to bring back his, quote, great learning experience for everybody play. <laughs> uh, you probably remember back from week three in the preseason when he threw Solomon Thomas into coverage against quite speedy Chiefs running back Damian Williams on a third and three, which ended in uh, something like a 62-yard touchdown catch and run. I don't know who learned from that experience, but apparently it wasn't Salah because... 
he ran in an almost identical play against the Panthers on Sunday on a similar down and distance. It was either like a third and three or a third and four. And the play call this time was actually worse than it was in the preseason. So I, I had to look up Salah's interview after the preseason game where he opens up with a joke. Oh, you guys don't like Solomon on a running back? The obvious implication being, well, that's really stupid. And everybody laughs. So first, Salah says, you know, it's a preseason and we're just trying some stuff out. And then he gets into his explanation that you know, in his defensive system, when the team's blitzing five or six players, then you know, someone needs to account for the running back. And usually that's going to be a defensive end, which, okay, like that, that makes sense. If you're sending free blitzers and not giving the quarterback like any time to throw, then yeah, that's fine. But then he says, on that particular play, that's not what we want. I'm glad it happened because it created a secondary check. Then Sal says, but it happened. I'm glad it happened. I'm not glad it happened. And then he closes with, but it was a great learning experience for everybody. What I take out of that is, man, I screwed up really bad. That was really dumb of me. I'm never, ever going to do that again. And you will never catch me on a podium having to explain doing something so stupid ever again. And then he does something so st- even like even dumber on, on, on this uh, this play. And it was it was a, a third and four. And the crazy thing is the Panthers lined up in like an extremely similar shotgun formation compared to the Chiefs play. And he had the two receivers lined up to the left side and he had his pass catching back on the left side. But you know there are two like significant differences in the formation that made it, that really made it worse play call for Salah. And the first one was that the Panthers were on the right hash instead of the left hash, which left a lot more room for Allen, who's not the most accurate quarterback, definitely not on Sunday, did to hit McCaffrey. And then he also had Olsen lined up in the backfield as a blocker, basically as like a like a fullback. So at the snap, Sal has you know two defenders on the line of scrimmage, Boson and Warner, both to trap back into coverage. And he has Alexander, who's, who's stacked way back at the line of the game, he has like a delayed rush from McCaffrey's side of the field. So so you're leaving basically Bosa in coverage against McCaffrey. There's there's nobody else on that side because you have two wideouts on that side and two corners on that side. Again, the 49ers only rush four players, so that, so he can't like make the five-player or six-player excuse, or maybe like three and a half because it took Alexander so long to get there. And by the time he got there, Olsen's just sitting there waiting for him to, to block him. And Allen had really all the time he needed to complete a easy NFL pass. It was just a play that I wish that he had come out and addressed because I want to hear why he did it. And I'm hoping it was some type of, you know, the, the, the motion messed the play up or somebody made a mistake. I mean, one of the younger players made a mistake because because Bosa didn't like take two steps in before he turned around and tried to run after McCaffrey as hard as he could. And I guess the even crazier thing than him calling the play in the first place is the fact that Bosa somehow ran him down. Like, like how does Bosa run down Christian McCaffrey? I, I still don't really understand that. I mean, I mean, he did have an angle on him and there was a safety back there, but it was a pretty nice play by, by Bosa to, to change direction and then run after probably the best receiving running back in the NFL and, uh, you know, catch him after 24 yards. But you know, it, was, it was the first time that they didn't have to give up and it, it didn't end up costing him because the, the uh, subsequent turnover otherwise the Panthers had no plays over 20 yards the entire game other than those three plays which you know really you can attribute to mental errors whether it's coaching errors or player errors that the coaches are not resolving 
And I don't know if you're a fan of Family Guy, but you know that kind of thing sort of quote unquote grinds my gears. <laughs> that was excuse or whatever before. It's preseason, whatever. We'll look past it. Like I, I want to hear what the answer is now because you know you can't do that in the playoffs. You can't do that against the Patriots. You need to get that ironed out now. And it's good that it happened in the game where you know, otherwise the Niners were extremely dominant. And that's probably the longest one down you're ever going to hear after a 50-burger monster victory. <laughs> but now it has been said. Yeah, I, I've said my piece and perhaps a bit technical for the spoken word. Maybe I'll have to screenshot some some stuff and put some stuff on Twitter to show everybody what I mean. That That, that, is, my, that is my one down. It's just one, those three plays. One very that were long just, down. Yeah, extremely, <laughs> extremely long down. And especially after a big win, but it does come from a good place. Nothing but love <laughs> for me and just always looking for ways for this team to get better. Yeah, I mean, in in in, in Salah's defense, all he said was that it was a learning experience. He didn't really explain what he learned, as you mentioned. So maybe he just learned not to put Solomon Thomas in that situation. Maybe he thought, well, you know, Nick Bose is faster, so maybe he could catch him. And as you mentioned it, you know, he did catch him. It wasn't a touchdown. So there's that. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I think um, it is time then, uh, with all that in mind, to go ahead and move on to the next game. Um, as mentioned, the 49ers have a short week coming up. And, of course, the short week means that we have a longer week on the back end of that. So short week leads to long week. And, in fact, um, with the next two opponents, they actually have a even longer week than they would normally under this circumstances because they play on Thursday night and then on Monday night. So two primetime games in a row, which, which is cool. Um, so the 49ers will be traveling to Arizona um, to take on the last place, Arizona Cardinals for Thursday night football. Um, the Cardinals are coming off a loss to the Arizona or to, to the new Orleans saints are, they didn't beat themselves. Well, maybe they did. Um, they lost the new Orleans saints on Sunday. Um, as I, as I mentioned, they're in last place in the NFC West. Um, so let's begin taking a look at this game by an- answering this question. Um, does the quick turnaround, uh, Chris, work in either team's favor um, more than it does for the other? Um, Chris, what do you think about that? I don't think that anyone like likes a quick turnaround. And one, one thing that is bad for the Cardinals is that they lost both the running backs for the game. So they signed with Kenyon Drake to uh They had a trade for Kenyon today. Drake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So to be clear, I, so yeah. Actually, I guess, I guess they didn't uh, actually re-sign him, and they did, they trade him for like a conditional pick next year, which is, I guess, what he's worth. Drake's a a guy who is underachieved. I think that's a safe way of saying it. So I, I think in in that way, it's it's not good for the Cardinals. But I think in the majority of the ways, the uh, it benefits the Cardinals more than it, it does the 49ers because you know they're, they're the underdog. Crazy things happen on short weeks. I feel I feel like the Forty Nine would be would be like a near lock to win this game if they had a full week of preparation. And another thing is that the Forty Nine are the team that needs to travel. So because they need to travel, they don't have an opportunity to have any full practices this week. And that's especially bad for the returning players if we have any. Well, hopefully we do, like Staley. And you know they won't have a chance to actually practice before the game starts. A lot of the week's work is going to be in the film room, and the 49ers don't, which I guess is a good thing, they don't have any film of the Cardinals beating any good teams because like the, 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 the uh, three victories they've had came against teams that currently have three combined wins. 
So they haven't beaten anybody good. And warning, this is going to be like a small burn because I, I didn't uh, think he was a very good hire for the Cardinals. And therefore, he was a great hire for San Francisco's perspective. Their head coach, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he didn't exactly put up much win- winning film in his six years as a college coach either. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to uh, for the Niners to come up with some good film to to look at. I mean, they definitely have film of, of them getting crushed, but they don't, don't really have a lot of film of them playing well against good teams. So I think that may be some bulletin board material for Cardinals fans. <laughs> if, if I were somewhere more important than, than I am. But overall, other than the fact that you're losing your two running backs, but you know the running backs aren't really doing as much as their quarterbacks doing running the ball. I think that it favors the Cardinals, but not to the point where it's going to be like something that affects the game so adversely that, you know, that we're going to be having a 50 burger in the opposite direction or anything like that. How about you? Yeah, certainly. I agree. Obviously it would be nicer if this were a home game after the fact that, especially because um, the Cardinals played an early game um, last week, but they did have to have to travel as well. So it's not like they're coming off a, a great so they're at home now but they were on the road last week so it's not as if they had a sort of like home game two home games in a row or anything like that so it ends up in in that regard it kind of works out for for both teams and that the 49ers are coming off a road uh, or a home game and going into a road game and there's you know relatively small amount of travel it's just the kind of time in that case um, but as you said I, I think there are other factors that kind of come into play here um, Kyle Shanahan obviously has a leg up on on Kingsbury in terms of um, experience with handling the short week. Um, Kingsbury's never had to do this because this is not something that they do in college football. Um, and so that would be something that he wouldn't really have any experience with and probably wouldn't know what necessarily what to do specifically. Um, there's probably a pretty good chance that the 49ers have already um, that had already started a little bit of the game planning for this game prior to um, the, the Carolina game that they probably had parts of their staff sort of getting ahead on it anyway um, to kind of give them a, a leg up moving in that direction and other things. Um, I, I, I think other than that, uh, as you mentioned, I, I don't, don't know that this is what small uh, upside the Cardinals might get from playing at home on a short week. Um, and not having played any played played or beaten rather or beaten anybody good, um, I just it's not the same as like playing in a monsoon slash uh, swamp in Washington in in that where it's going to make it difficult for everyone to for to do things effectively. Um, I think really what this might do is maybe make the game a little bit closer than than expected, but I. I, I I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is really um, a game that the 49ers should be um, too terribly concerned about. Now, here's some interesting things about uh, the Cardinals just to think about as we get closer to the game, however. Um, so a, a key matchup, obviously, and we'll probably be talking about this for the remainder of the season, is going to be the Cardinals offensive line versus the 49ers defensive line. I think it's safe to say that that's a go-to matchup for pretty much all the 49ers opponents from here on out. Um, the Cardinals have actually graded out quite interestingly, according to PFF so far this season, um, 
they are sitting at 74.8 as pass blockers, which is sixth in the league, um, but 51.7 as run blockers, which is 26th in the league, according to PFS. So there's quite a discrepancy between um, their blocking ability in the pass and their blocking ability as run, as, as run blockers. However, DVOA paints a strangely different picture. This is, this is just so odd to me, and I, I don't understand how this works. Um, so according to DVOA, the Cardinals have actually been better at running the football. Go figure. Um, their off, their de- offensive DVOA in the running game is sitting at 12.2%, which is third in the league. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, but their passing is at negative 0.1%, which is 23rd in the league. So to clarify, better at pass blocking than run blocking, but somehow better at running the football in an, from an efficiency measure than passing the football. Um, now, I have to assume that a lot of that is Kyler um, and that Kyler Murray is creating much of the sort of run efficiency that has very little to do with their running backs. And so um, their running backs being unsuccessful and their uh, run blockers being unsuccessful is probably being bolstered a lot by that. Um, So it's certainly something to pay attention to. And as I said before, the containment of Kyler Murray as a, as a runner is going to be really important. Um, but other than that, it really feels like the offensive line is not going to, to put up much of a fight against this 49ers defensive line. Add to, add to that the fact that David Johnson doesn't look like he's going to get 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 to play this week. Um, Kenyon Drake's coming over, but how much is he going to add to this team on a short week at this particular point seems unclear, although it feels unlikely that he'll have a major impact with such little time. Um, the trade only happened, I think, uh, today we're recording this on Monday, Monday night. I think the trade happened this morning. So, um, I, I just don't know that they're going to get a lot from their team offensively and their defense has been pretty bad too. So, um, yeah. Uh, any thoughts about any of that before we move on to predictions there, Chris, you know, Chase Edmonds, their, their, their number two, uh, running back is also supposedly not going to play on, yeah. uh, on Thursday. Right. So, exactly. so, it's, so it's, it's possible that, Drake will be starting the game and, and playing the entire game. So that will be very interesting. <laughs> Forcing myself to watch Arizona games in preparation for this was painful. Their rushing game is better than their passing game, but not necessarily from their running backs. Because like David Johnson, he averages less than five yards carry. I think he has a pair of touchdowns. Basically, they, they have three play, you know, it's actually sort of some of the 49ers, although our number is a little bit higher and all three players are running backs, but they have three players that are right around 300 yards um, rushing the ball, you know, Johnson, Edmonds, and Murray. And you know, Murray's, I think it's 5.5 yards of carry is probably what causes that discrepancy in that, yeah, they're, they're really bad at, at, uh, at, you know, run blocking for the running backs. But Kyler Murray, when, you know, when he's, um, it has you know half decent pass pass blocking where he's able to scramble outside the pocket is able to run for five point five yards of carry so that their overall you know rushing efficiency is good and I can tell you that their passing game is not good I would definitely say the rushing game is better than their passing game and I I think that's that's reflected in most of the uh, most most of the uh, the, uh, the metrics but I think Edmonds has played better than Johnson when he's been in there but I mean Murray's you know scrambling ability is obviously the you know the major thread that the uh, Cardinals you know, present when they're wanting to move the ball on the ground 
on offense. Yeah, just, just look at Murray's stats. I mean, he's under seven yards in attempt. He's been sacked 26 times, which is third worst in the NFL. So, yeah, he's a guy who's he's going he's to scramble a lot, and he's going to get sacked a lot, and just hope that either we have linebackers uh, spying him or you know, fast defensive ends and uh, edge rushers who are you know, able to run him down. You know, that's what we're sort of hoping for here because he definitely gets sacked a lot. And another interesting stat that I saw is that they're worse than the NFL, converting only 32% of their red zone tries in, into touchdowns. And I was like, that, that's a very shocking number, 30, 32%. Because they get they actually get into the red zone the, like fairly often compared to what you would think they would with the amount of points that they score. But they just don't get the ball in the end zone. And you know, just digging into that a little bit further, I think one of the major reasons is, is that once they get to the, the 10-yard line or so, and there, there's not... You know, Murray doesn't have the room to to scramble that he they normally does because the the secondary and linebackers are so close to the line of scrimmage. He's not completing any of his passes, so he he has a completion percentage under forty percent when he's inside the ten yard line. Yeah, he averages one yard per pass attempt. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and that's like a that's like a real thing. Like he, like one yard per pass attempt, less than forty percent of his his passes are complete. The one surprising thing in all this is that. They're actually best in the league in lost turnovers. They've only they only lost four turnovers, four interceptions the entire season, which I was like shocked because you'd figure that a quarterback like that scrambling around would be fumbling all over the place. And he has fumbled a couple of times, so they've recovered it. But he's only thrown four picks. So yeah, it's, it's like in some ways he's a game manager, and in some ways you know, he's a you know a very dangerous guy who can throw the ball deep and, and can run fast and, and can scramble. So he's sort of a, an odd com- combination of a of quarterback who, who definitely wants to be outside the pocket where he can see <laughs> over the, the, the monstrous 49ers defensive line. Short joke. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. So I think, sorry about that. Yeah. 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 I'm sort of mean this. So I'm, yeah. So maybe I should be a little nicer going forward. Um, <laughs> it's not his fault, right? Yeah. He's been, I mean, for a rookie, he's been pr- pretty fairly reasonable. If it weren't for that horrible completion percentage inside the the ten, and, and the fact that they can't score in the red zone, two of the most important things in football. But if it weren't for those two things, that hopefully he'll eventually be able to to rec- well, hopefully in his for him when he's playing in some in AFC or something, he'll be able to rectify. He, he'd be having a pretty good rookie year otherwise so i mean he's a guy that you definitely do have to worry about and he's a guy that you do have to game plan for you know sort of like last week how solid like really didn't pay too much attention to mccaffrey and just figured that that the you know the front seven or front six would be able to handle him i wonder if he game plans for him and spies for you know against him this week or not so that'll be definitely interesting to see yeah for sure. Um, I, th- I think the problem with, with why they can't score in the red zone is there, you can't air rate it from, from the, from inside the 20. There's just no room to, to air rate it, you know? Yeah. But you got fits, man. There's no space inside that. That's too close. It's too close to air raid. That's all this. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, go ahead and move on to predictions uh, before we close things out for this week. Um, and I must say I am at a, at a total loss in terms of what to do here. Uh, we talked briefly uh, last week, about how um, the one time that we were that we were bold enough to predict a blowout, it didn't go that way, and there was the nine nothing win over the Redskins. And then we go ahead and and predict a close game this week, 
and the blowout that we expected to happen against the Redskins happened. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just totally at a loss. Um, I do know that the Cardinals are not, not a very good football team at this point. Um, and, but we also thought that about the Redskins. Now the rain and the conditions certainly helped them to stabilize and neutralize that, um, game a little bit. So that has to come into play. Um, I th- I also think it's interesting when you think about the last game that the Cardinals played, which was, uh, between, between them and the saints, uh, there's a lot of, um, not, not, not exactly sort of like for like, but there are some similarities between this, uh, the 49ers and the saints team in terms of, you know, having good, strong defenses, um, and their offense sort of coming back into form, um, the saints with, with Bruce, yeah, Drew Brees coming back, um, and the 49ers who are starting to get, you know, players healthy and they're getting back into, into form in that, that regard. Um, I think the Niners defense is better than the saints defense. And so, um, if Kyler and company had problems with the saints defense, I think they're going to continue to have problems with the, uh, 49ers defense, especially that front seven, which, um, I think notably, uh, the way that they handled McCaffrey will be, will be interesting in that regard, as you noted, but that's, that's, that's something to pay attention to. But, um, so while I want to forever pick two of victories so that we can, see blowouts um i i just don't see any way this cardinals defense will be able to contain the 49ers offense after what they just showed us against the panthers defense which is quite a bit better than this cardinals defense um i am not going to call another 38 point victory uh but to me it feels like double digits and probably heavy double digits um for sure so i'm gonna go 31 10 49ers i'm, I'm just gonna go for it that's that's the way this is going to be. Um, so, Chris, what do you think? Wow, yeah, that's a. Um, I thought we weren't going to do that. I thought yeah. we needed a deal here. Yeah, I know. I know. I wanted to go. I wanted to go thirty-four ten, but then I, <laughs> I didn't because I'm scared. The Cardinals, they're a work in progress. I said what I said about their head coach. He's a good offensive mind, but doesn't have the greatest history of winning football games. They have a very poor defensive unit. Basically, to to win a game, they're going to have to win a shootout because that's the only games that they have won this year, and they've won them against horrible teams. 21 is their magic number. They need to score at least three touchdowns because they've given up 21 points in every one of the games that they played. So they're going to have to score three touchdowns on the 49ers. Can they do that? It sure doesn't seem like they should be able to do that, which would lead me to believe that the 49ers are going to win this game because I think the 49ers can run the ball and pass the ball on Arizona. And uh, although they have, their, their grass does uh, uh, grow outside, it, it gets uh, transported back into, into the stadium before the game uh, the game begins. So we won't have to be dealing with those uh, adverse uh, weather conditions. So I think Jimmy should be able to, to throw the ball. And I think you know, even just after a couple of days of uh, practice, and or, I mean, limited days of practice, but just looking at the playbook, Sanders definitely made a, a difference in, in the way that uh, the Carolina defense was able to to you know, attack the Niners and, and sort of opened everything up and you know really allowed our running game to thrive. So I think we're probably getting a little bit more of that. I like the way that Jimmy G was throwing the ball last week other than the one the pick, and I think that that will hopefully continue. So let's see. I was originally going to go 34 to 10. Uh, lines around 8, somewhere 9, some places, uh, 44 over under. I say that the 49ers win and they cover. 
not necessarily a 3310. I'm going to go with a 27 to 13. All right. That's, that's fair. It's, it's still a pretty, you know, I think, and it, and it, and even if it ends up that way, it sort of feels like one of those things where, uh, and I mean, even in my prediction, I'm kind of thinking it's going to be one of those things where they're sort of controlling the game for much of it. And maybe some of those points from the Cardinals are like sort of similar to the, the last touchdown that the, the touchdown that the Panthers scored, where it seemed at the time that it might be making the game close, but in the end it really didn't. Um, I think it could be one of those things where like they're up, you know, 28 three and then the pan or the, the Cardinals score a touchdown and they're like, Oh, are they getting back into this game? And then the 49ers put, you know, another score on the board and control the game and that sort of thing. So, um, Chris, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap things up this, uh, this episode? My only thought was that, uh, I really wanted to go bigger, but I thought we had to go with, with the tight one. So that's the <laughs> reason why I really did it. All right. That's fair. That's let's fair. blow, let's, let's blow them out, baby. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, be that uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Um, and we'd certainly appreciate a nice review, uh, five stars all the way. And if you would share the podcast with your 49er fan friends. Uh, so um, it'll be a while until we see you again with the uh, longer uh, week after the Thursday night game. Uh, but until then, we will see you next time, Niner fans. Have a good one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.